Hello, I'm Lyle Southwell. Welcome to Let God Speak. Bad news, we're all doomed. Given enough time, all of us will die. That much is clear to everyone. An obvious question then is, what comes next? Today we want to explore why everyone is not asking that question. On our panel today, we have Mike Browning and Casey Butler. And as we begin our program, let's take a moment to pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you so much that we have this opportunity to spend time reading and studying your word. We pray for the presence of your Holy Spirit. We pray that you'll be very close to us. We pray that you'll draw us to you. Help us to understand what we read, to apply it in our lives in a practical way. And we pray that we will live for you because of what we read today. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So it's true that many people don't really stop and think too much about what happens after this life. Mm. Casey, I'm wondering whether you could share some thoughts as to why that might actually be the case. Yeah, well, I think that a lot of it is just that there's so many interesting things to occupy our attention in this in this world that people just get caught up in the here and now and don't necessarily think about what's coming next. And often it takes a, you know, sometimes hard life experiences like a death or a trauma or something like that before people get this reality check, hang on a minute, life's going to end. What's after that? Is there anything after that? Um, the other thing I think sometimes people can be afraid of the unknown of what can be what could be beyond life here? And so they might just think, oh, I don't even want to face it. Um, so there's probably various reasons like that, but I think it's fairly common that people would think those. Yeah, I think most thoughts. people at some point, you yeah. know, they might be like, yeah, I'm never, I've never thought about it. I'm not interested in it. Mm. But at some point, everyone's going to think about it mm. pretty much. Yeah. Okay, so we need to find some answers today. And to do so, we're going to go to scripture. There's this uh, great passage. We're going to begin in John chapter 6. And the Bible says in verse 39, and this is the father's will, which has sent me that of all which he has given me, I will lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me that everyone which sees the son and believes on him may have everlasting life. And I'll raise him up at the last day. Mike, this concept of raise up. Mm. What are we getting out of this? Yeah, right? yeah. Jesus understood the, the, uh, the dilemma we face with death looking at us all eventually. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? He says similar things um, twice here. Um, and he talks about the resurrection as the answer to the dilemma of death. Um, so that's the thing that he gives us to hope for. There's going to be a renewal of life. He will call people from the grave. And he even gives us the time frame, as you pointed out. And he says, at the last day, I will raise them up. Well, that's encouraging news, isn't it? It's definitely Yes, and the last day, of course, we, that's the time of his second coming. Yes. One of the things that I find interesting in this passage is that there could be an apparent contradiction because Jesus says, you know, I give them everlasting life and I will raise them up at the last day. Now, you can't have both. No, but, ever, but everlasting life quite, or eternal life, which you receive by faith at the moment that you believe, 
um, that definitely can be interrupted by death, yes. but not immortality. Mm. And we don't get the immortality until Jesus comes. Ah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I guess for me, what it illustrates here is the, the sureness of God's promises, mm. where Jesus can make a promise and it is so sure that he's like, yeah, you've got everlasting life. It's going to be interrupted by death, but you have everlasting life because my promise is so sure and so guaranteed. Yeah. In, uh, let me see, John chapter 4 and verse 14. Casey, there's a, there's a passage here that I want us to talk about. Uh, verse 14, but whoever drinks of the water which I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What does Jesus mean here, Casey? Mm. Well, Jesus is the source of everlasting life. And so he's saying that if we want to have that, we need to go straight to the source and um, he will give it to us. In fact, he gives it to us now. We can start experiencing the life that he gives us now. But it's only uh, once we get to heaven that we'll experience fully eternal life that he can offer us. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Mike, there's a great passage there in Acts chapter 17. Mm. I wonder whether you could share that one with us. Yes, I'll read it out. Acts 17, 28. Um, it's a fantastic scripture. It's very deep. Hmm. Acts 17, 28. And this is what it says. In him, we live and move and have our being. As also some of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Um, we're quoting Paul here. It's just a fantastic statement. In him, we live and move and have our being. That is, we have our existence hmm. in him. So he's the source of life. Um, in him is life, original, unborrowed, underived, as Ellen G. White has put it. Um, and it's really encouraging. Um, so from him, we receive natural life that we have now um, and ultimately we'll have what the scripture calls the spiritual life, the in, in immortal life in the time to come. In some ways, you could almost see three different kinds of life there, couldn't you? Natural life, spiritual life, being spiritually alive mm. in the present, and then immortal life that is a gift yeah. at the, given to us at the second coming of Jesus. Yeah. It's all coming from Jesus. Yeah. That's true. And you can go through life having just natural life without awakening the spiritual. Mm. Um, um, as you were saying, Casey, being too busy or preoccupied yeah. or whatever. Yep. And that's a tragic thing because that's a vital part of our lives. Mm. And there's no reason why it should remain dormant. Now, Casey, you've spent a lot of time, you know, out in the community, meeting people. You are working in, in an institution where you meet people. Mm. I don't know about you, but on occasions I've met people who don't want to have anything to do with heaven or eternity mm. because of the life that they're living here on on this earth right now. What do you say when you meet somebody like that? How would you, how would you approach somebody that's just like, you know what, my life has been so traumatic I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to even think about immortality. Well, you know what? I would agree with them. I would, I would totally agree okay. with them. Okay. <laughs> because All it's right. very, it's true. Like, I mean, the, the things of this world, they, you wouldn't want to live forever in what happens in this world. Because with sin, everything has gone so bad that it's actually, I mean, God knew that it, it wouldn't be good for sin to go forever. That's why there's an end for this world. That's why there's an end for our lives. Otherwise, it would be absolute misery. You think, so, I mean, some people yeah. live all their lives in poverty, yeah. can't feed their children in some countries. Well, imagine living your life like that. That's life. right. It's terrible. For eternity. Yeah. So the fact that that's how it is now, like 
if, if there's going to be any hope for something better, then eternal life must be different. It mustn't be like what it is on this earth, because otherwise it would be bad. Um, so can't take what goes on in this world as a criterion or guide for what's going to happen in, in heaven. I mean, it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 that we can't even comprehend what God has prepared for us in heaven. It's just going to be so much better than what we have here. And so when we hear that, that gives us a different perspective that, hey, you know, there's something actually to look forward to in heaven. Yes. And I think, you know, and something that just sort of comes to my mind just while I'm listening to what you're saying then and, and, and Mike as well, is that, you know, even if we had the 900 year lifespan of the patriarchs before the flood, mm. you imagine the, the accumulated uh, PTSD from the trauma that we would experience over a period that long. Mm. Mm, and we can thank true. God for his grace mm. and mercy in giving us our 70, 80, you know, <laughs> 90 <laughs> lifespan, because even those of us who live the most blessed lives, if you take just the trauma that we experience and spread it out over the next 900 mm. years, we wouldn't want that here on this earth. Mm. Yeah, that's true. yeah, these are uh, these are interesting questions. Mike, uh, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you know we talk about eternity? and uh, paradise, the new earth. Well, leading on from what we've just been saying about the way things are now, um, the things that God says are not in going to be in heaven and the new earth um, are listed for us in Revelation 21 verse 4. And this is what it says. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. No more sadness, you see. Mm. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. So there's no grieving. Um, in eternity, there shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Uh, you can't help but really be impressed with that. Um, why would you not want to be in a place that doesn't have all those negatives? Um, and of course, turn it around the other way and has positives, some of which we can't even imagine now. Mm. They're so magnificent. And I think that you've really tapped into something there because when we are experiencing the best of what this life has to offer, that's when we can begin to imagine, OK, yeah, I could handle this for eternity. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and then, of course, the trauma comes along and it's like, no, we don't want this for eternity. Mm. And heaven is beyond what we can begin to imagine of the best of what yes. this life has to offer yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. We do have we catch glimpses of what it will be like in eternity. There are moments when your life just opens up your eyes and you think, this is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, so true. That's a little guide. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too focused on the bad things. Yes. Remember, there, there is something so much better to come. Yes. And that's a little foretaste. Absolutely. And let's, and let's grab hold of those foretastes with both hands. Yes. Enjoy them. Thank God for them. Make mm. the most of them. Yes. Mm. All right, let's uh, move on. Uh, Casey, Second Peter chapter 3, mm. 10 to 13 bit of a passage here. Why don't you share some of it with us mm -hmm. and uh, share some thoughts from it? Yeah, sure. So there's um, an interesting thing here. It says that, um, uh, well, it talks about the earth ending and uh, um, the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Um, then a couple of verses down, if we look at especially verse 13, it says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. And um, 
I like this this verse because it it talks about you know the fact that the world that we know it's it's not going to be the same again. You know, in the new heaven, it's going to be a hundred percent new, clean start, right? And not only in a physical sense that it's going to be a new world that we live in, it's also going to be new and morally. Um, so the the moral aspect is going to be changed, and this is going to be a world where there's righteousness reigns. And that is huge because, you know, a place of righteousness, a place of peace. I think I think right there Mm. you've really tapped into the most important difference that there can possibly be Mm. in that it's a world where righteousness lives, because I could live in this world if righteousness reigned supreme. Yeah, I could, you know, I could live in this world as it is. I don't even need all of the all of the things that, you know, heaven has to offer if there was just righteousness mm. reigning. And so, you know, this is, this is the greatest blessing that, uh, that we have in, uh, in these promises right here. Uh, Revelation chapter 21, we couldn't have this discussion without going to Revelation 21. Verse one, I saw a new heavens and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away. There was no more sea. Uh, go down a little bit. The Bible says, he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, right, for these words are true and faithful. Mike, what stands out to you the most? All things are new. Yes. (laughs) It's rather interesting, isn't it? You read chapter 21, verse one, where it talks about the new heavens and the new earth. Very similar language Mm. to Peter that you just read out for us, Casey. Um, But it adds the fact that there's no more sea. No more sea. Well, you know, 75% of the world is still covered by the waters of Noah's flood, you know, and um, it's a lot of waste space out there. Um, Whereas Apparently, it's not going to be the case in the eternal life that God has planned in the new earth. So that's pretty exciting. And, uh, and then verse five, everything is made new. And I think it's important to emphasize that fact, um, which is what you wanted to do, um, because we've been talking about the fact that not everything is great here. Mm. Yes, some things are fantastic, but not everything is great. Well, all things are made new. Everything is going to be sensational. Absolutely. I want to come back, if I could, just for a moment to where you mentioned no more sea, because there's an implied promise there Mm -hmm. that an implied promise is that there is not enough space on our world as we know it for all of the saved. Hmm. So God God has to God has to has to reduce the, the the space taken up by water to be able to accommodate all of those that are going I was to thinking exactly the same thing as I read it out, actually. And I'm glad that you brought it back and raised it up. It's so true, isn't it? Fantastic. So, yeah, there's going to be more people there than we think. Hmm. Okay, so, Casey. Yes. How important is it then to get there? Oh, well, it's, it's everything in terms of if you want to have a hope for the future. Um, How do we go about getting there? Well, we go about getting there by turning to um, Christ, who is the key to heaven. (laughs) Um, And he is the source of life. In um, John 1 verse 4, we read that um, in him, that is, Christ was life and the life was the light of men. Um, So if we want to have eternal life and have a place in heaven, um, we need to go to Jesus Christ. Mm, Mm. Absolutely. Mike, you had an interesting experience when your father passed away. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering whether you can share that with us today. Um, well, when he passed away some years ago, um, the family was gathered around his bed and he went quietly. And then and th- th- there was an attending nurse there and she says, and now he knows everything. <laughs> and I thought, um, only God knows everything. Mm. Um, but 
it was just, um, I said nothing at the time, of course, it wasn't appropriate to do that, but I just thought, you know, it's just symptomatic of the airy-fairy nature that people have in their mind of what it's going to be like um, in the life to come. Uh, we've talked about the fact that there's a resurrection. Real people come back from the grave. Real people went into the grave. Real people come back. Uh, sands the sin and all the corruption and, and of all that goes with that that's made the difficult things happen on this life. Um, so um, God is wanting, yes, to, he will, we'll have opportunities for asking questions and getting the answers that we need. So we'll get to know a lot of things, but it'll take eternity to get to know. Uh, well, we never will get to know everything, of course, there is to know in God's amazing universe. I think it would be... I think it would be kind of devastating for a human being to reach the point that you know everything because then why would we as a human being want to even continue if we knew everything? Again, only God knows everything. That's right. I totally um, agree. I mean, we've been talking about um, education this quarter yes. and learning. Yes. And if you couldn't keep learning things, life would be boring. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 1 Corinthians, uh, uh, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, chapter 13 and verse 12. Um, the Bible says, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. What does that mean, Casey? Well, there's lots of things that we can't actually learn in, and understand in this life. Um, we're just not capable of it. There are things that are just too deep for us to possibly comprehend and understand. Um, but we know that when uh, when we... Christ comes and we get changed and go to heaven, we're actually going to have new bodies. It says that in, um, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse um, 20 and 21, especially in verse 21, it says that we, he will change our vile body and fashion after his glorious body. Um, and of course, if we have new bodies, we're going to have new minds too. And we'll be able to understand and comprehend things that we've never been able to before. And besides that, we'll be able to endure God's presence. We'll be able to see him face to face. And so we'll be able to learn things about God, which we have never been able to at all while we've been here on earth. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, when I when I I guess one of the things that I find encouraging about this verse is that I appreciate meeting different people, getting to know different people mm. and building relationships with people. And when Paul says, you know, I'm going to be known even as I am known now, in other words, uh, you will be able to recognize me. We will have conversations together. We will know each other. Mm -hmm. There's a great promise there that the relationships that we've built here on this earth are going to continue in heaven. And we're not going to be just sort of turn up in heaven. We don't know anyone. We don't recognize anyone. Yes, we will have glorified bodies, but we'll still recognize each other. We'll still have those friendships that we can then continue for eternity. There's some great promises right here. All right, let's go over to uh, where are we going to next. First uh, Corinthians chapter four. And we are going to look here at verse five. Uh, Mike, I'm wondering whether you could share this passage with us. Yes, it's, a, it's a, again, another very deep verse and I appreciate it. First Corinthians four, verse five says, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. He will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts, then each one's praise will come from God. This is really interesting. The hidden things will be made plain. That's what he's trying to say to us. And, and I think the suggestion is here that the judgment of God will expose to the light of day, if you like, um, all of the dark passages in our lives, things that we didn't understand. 
things that we couldn't understand, why they should happen to us and in the way that they did. Um, these things will be made plain to us then. Not only that, but the acts of history will be made plain to us. We will see how God was guiding in the affairs of history and what was really taking place behind the scenes. So we've got a lot. Then the judgment will also bring out justice. Now we all want justice, right? There's something within every person that just demands justice, but you don't always get it in this life. But at the final end of it all, the judgment he's saying, all those hidden things of darkness will be made plain. And I think we can be at peace about that. I like the final statement of, of King Solomon um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 14. And this is what he says. Well, actually 13 and 14, I'll read. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment. That's the point we've been reading about there. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Uh, this will be the day of declaring all the secret things, of course. And that's, you know, people do find that a little bit intimidating. They do. Every secret thing being revealed. But this is actually really good news. Mm -hmm. Because by God revealing every secret thing, it removes any questions. You know, the whole universe can see that we serve a God of love. The whole universe can see that, you know, we serve a God who is not trying to do things behind the scenes. He's not mm -hmm. trying to cover stuff up. There's no cover up here. God's like, here it is. It's all open. Have a look and see it for yourself. Yeah, we ask the question, all of us ask it, why did this happen to me, yeah. right? Well, this is the time uh -huh. when that fair. will come in the open. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Casey, we've got then um, a deliberate plan mm. to teach and enlighten the saved when they get to glory. Yes, yes, and definitely all around these things because there will be many things that people have questions about in heaven. And as we've been talking about, people have questions about justice, about why things happened on earth. And in many ways, it's kind of, it's actually a spiritual need to have all of these questions because when you have, you know, you can't understand why this is the case. You can't really have peace unless that's really fully answered. And so with it being a spiritual need, it, it demands a spiritual remedy. And we know in, well, in Revelation 7 verse um, 17, it says that, Christ, the Lamb, will, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, so that's God's people, and will lead them to living fountains of waters. He'll fulfill our spiritual needs, symbolized by water. And then it says, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And this is great because this, this is showing that in, in fulfilling and answering all those questions, it will, the end result will be that the sadness that we've experienced as a result of what's happened on earth will be ended and we will have no more tears. And gone forever. Mm. Never to come back. Yeah. Fantastic news. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so Mike, some things do don't go dreadfully wrong on they planet do. Earth. <clears throat> and they do. we all go through traumatic experiences at times. Mm. Uh, what's the best way to deal with these circumstances yeah. and to approach them? Okay, it's true. Um, things, this is not as good as it gets, the way mm. things are in this life. I'm going to read a scripture. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I'm going to read um, there um, verse 17 and 18, 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18. And this is what it says. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, that, the light affliction is what we've been talking about, these unexpected events, is working for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So we mightn't consider the fact that it's actually got a, a purpose. There's a purpose in the difficult things that we have to face, but apparently there is. 
That's good to know. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. And now we're getting to what is the best attitude to have when you are having difficult times under trial. Uh, he says, don't look at the things that are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The things which are seen are temporary. We say, uh, this too will pass. That's a saying yeah. we have among us. Um, and it's true. The trials are only temporary, but what is not seen is eternal. So the attitude to have, don't forget, God has a plan to institute an eternity in paradise for you if you just trust in him. Remember that. So he says, get your mind on eternal things. Um, people talk about being too heavenly minded to be earthly use. That is not true, right? I don't think you can be too heavenly minded. The more you are, I think the more your feet will be firmly on the ground <laughs> because you'll be a person who's got hope in your heart. That's going to make all the difference. Absolutely. I want to move ahead here a little bit, if I can, to a passage in Zechariah. There is a really important lesson we need to learn from this. It's in Zechariah chapter 13. Let me just find that one real quick. Here we go. Zechariah chapter 13. And we're going to go down to verse six. The Bible says this. And one shall say unto him, this is Jesus Christ, that it will become apparent. What are these wounds in your hands? Now, we know that's Jesus. Uh, the Bible continues on and it says, then he will answer those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Uh, what will enhance heaven for us? And what do we learn from this passage right here, Casey? Mm, yeah, well, this, you know, the wounds that is written about here is referring to the wounds of Christ when he was crucified for us. So this, you know, prior to the whole sin problem, this aspect of God would never have been revealed, that God would be so self-sacrificing as to give his life up for people, not who are righteous, but people who are undeserving. And to see that aspect of God's character portrayed, that will be something that's, that's new in heaven for all of heaven, even for the angels to learn that about God, it's new. Um, so this will be something that we will constantly be able to learn new depth of understanding about as time goes on. And what I find fascinating about the passage is that these are people here who've never actually heard of Jesus Christ because mm. they're asking, you know, we would all understand why Jesus has wounds in his hands. These people have never heard of Christ. Mm. I want to hear that sermon because I want to hear the gospel <laughs> message preached to people who are hearing it for the first time mm. by Jesus Christ in a perfect environment. I mean, don't we all want to be there on that day? Yeah. But the reality is that all of us, you know, we all carry wounds now. And in heaven, we won't. Mm. Our wounds, our scars, whether they're physical or whether they're emotional or otherwise, those will be gone Healed. from us mm. forever. But the wounds of Jesus Christ will remain for eternity. Yeah. We will always have that opportunity to see you know, yeah. So we'll be constantly reminded of what our salvation costs. Yeah. And how much God loves us. Yes. Yes, indeed. Yeah. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God who has a perfect plan to bring sin to an end and to restore this world back to what he first intended it to be. Let your mind picture, if you can, the beauty and the glory of what God has prepared for his children at our best we can only catch a glimpse, but heaven is coming and Jesus has prepared the way for us. Worthy is the lamb. 
We are glad you joined with us today on Let God Speak. You can catch up on all our past programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Teachers Helps can be downloaded from there also. If you wish to send an email, address it to lgs at 3abnaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. May God bless you. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.